in the kingdom of God. Talking about the kingdom, uh, because that is the one thing that Jesus spoke the most about. That's something we need to remember as a church, that we need to remember that if there was one thing that Jesus spoke the most about in his Gospels, when we read about it in the red letter edition of your Bible, is Jesus spoke about the kingdom over 90 times. That he talked about the kingdom of God. Now, last week, some of you missed out on that last week, but last week we were talking about the fact that the kingdom was both physical and spiritual, and in the person of Christ, those two realities have become wedded because we realize that Jesus today, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, sits at the right hand of the Father, not in spirit, but in his physical body. Because he ascended in his physical body to the right hand of the Father. This is why he has now redeemed our bodies. The fallen body under the first Adam has now been restored under the second Adam, our Lord, our King, Jesus Christ. And in not just spirit, but physically, he has restored that relationship with the Father. Because today, he is our King, and he rules, and he reigns, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. One of the reasons why when we come to the Lord's table, we partake of his blood, the emblem as we did last week, his blood, which is the cleansing, the shedding of blood, which cleanses my sin. But we also take what? His body, because it is the beginning to take that reality of Christ's risen, ascended body, and now I eat of it, and it becomes a part of who I am. And it is also prolific in the fact that it's pointing through the day. That there's coming a day that this body of mine, we joked about it, is going to be glorified. Now you imagine what Betty's Eden's body is going to look like glorified. I don't know. But I know you'll be able to recognize me, and I'll be able to recognize you. And so we talked about that last week, and I said, church, if you could get this concept, this will change your Christian journey. This will change your prayer life. This will get you excited about the fact that God's kingdom is both physical and spiritual. Now today, oh, you, you, you got your seatbelts on? I'm hoping you're going to get this concept. That's why it's important for Pastor Mike to pray, because this is going to be something too. For me, it's exciting. I hope and pray is exciting for you. But we're also looking and finishing off with the reality that God's kingdom is both already and not yet. Say that with me. Already and not yet. Now this is going to age some of you. Back to the future. Anybody remember that? Do you know that was almost 40 years ago? <clears throat> the first Back to the Future movie. Now some of you are too young and I tell you to go watch it. Watch it with your parents and then maybe we'll tell you a few things about it. But 1985, that was the year and it was Marty McFly, a teenager accidentally sent back to 1955. 1955 was a good year, Pastor Mike. Good year. And in a time-traveling DeLorean automobile. And while in the past, Marty inadvertently prevents his future parents from falling in love. And then the reality is that if his parents don't fall in love, that means that he doesn't become a reality in the future. So he has to get that all straightened out before he finds a way to get back to the future. Sounds a little confusing, 
I always thought about that title, Back to the Future. You're going to understand this a little bit more as we go on in the message today. But few can deny, as we said, that God's kingdom is the center, key theme of the Gospels. But the truth of it is, the average Christian would say, so what, Pastor? What is the point of the kingdom of God? Why are you talking so much about the kingdom of God? And so we have a hard time articulating it to somebody if somebody said, what's the kingdom of God? And so to simplify it today, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God here on earth and also in heaven. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the kingdom of God. It's God's rule. It's God's reign. And usually we see it as a place of peace, love, and justice. The kingdom in scripture is described as already here, but it's also described in scripture as what? Already out there in the future. And so there is this aspect of already and not yet of the kingdom. That's what we're trying to get across today. Guess what? It goes free. Come March 20th, the calendar is going to say, Hallelujah! It's spring! It's already here! But the reality is, the winds of BDI will probably still be blowing on March 20th. Who knows? And it probably still will be sub-zero temperatures. And we can say, well, it sure doesn't look like spring. But the calendar says, yes, it is spring. But there's going to come a day when spring will arrive. That's the concept of what we're trying to get through today. There is the already of spring, March 20th. And then there's the reality of spring in the future. You with me? Okay. And so the kingdom of heaven, it has been inaugurated, but it has yet to be consummated. It has come, but it is still coming. And this is what we call in the kingdom of God in the church and theology, the already and the not yet of the kingdom. Now here's a big term for anybody who likes it. Inaugurated eschatology. That is what we're talking about today. But I think you would prefer already and not yet. That's what we're talking about today of the kingdom of God. Now, if I was to bring you to quilting on Thursdays, you can come to our ladies' quilting group, and you will see quilts at all different levels of reality. But the truth of it is, it's great to see a quilt when it's completely finished. And we're like, wow, isn't that beautiful? But some of them are cutting up strips and doing things, and you would say, well, that doesn't look like much. That doesn't even look like a quilt. Some of you are knitters. You could be starting to knit something, and someone would say, well, what is that? Well, that's a sweater. And people would say, well, that doesn't look much like a sweater. What do they respond? It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Because at the time, it doesn't look much like. It's already of the kingdom and not yet is a work in progress. And you would say, Pastor, most days I don't feel like I'm much part of the kingdom or glorified. And my surroundings and my home definitely does not feel like heavenly realms. <laughs> it's because the future has not yet broke in completely into our present. But there's coming a day when the two shall become one. 
Heaven and earth are going to become one. The two are going to move into that reality together. And so there will come a day when we will be fully in his kingdom, but we are not yet. Here's the concept. If you can understand and, and remember this, this is going to help quite a bit. It's very simple. We're in the already and not yet. So, this age, this present age, and we'll look later, this present evil age, right? Happened at the beginning of the fall. And in this present evil age, in that moment, that's why we talk about the birth of Christ, the incarnation God took on our flesh. That is when the first coming of Christ, the outpouring of the Spirit, and the resurrection of Christ. He has brought in the kingdom age. Christ has already brought the kingdom forth into our world, into our fallen world. And there's coming a day when Christ the King, notice the picture of Revelation, he is a king on a white horse that's coming. What's written on his side? Lord of lords and king of kings, right? King of kings and lord of lords is written on his side when he comes back. And so that is when all of us will be resurrected on that great day. And so here is the already of the kingdom, and here is the not yet of the kingdom. And guess where we live? In the tension of the two. So we're living in this fallen, broken world, but God's kingdom is already here. It's already here. And we get to be the king's kids. We get to be part of the kingdom now. Not just in the sweet by and by. Now, I haven't, I haven't had it in its fullness yet, but I am a part of his kingdom now. And so this is the tension that we find ourselves in. And so we're, we're living in this tension of the already and the not yet. And so someone said, we already possess every spiritual blessing in Christ. Think about that for a moment. You can experience the fullness of these blessings of what? That we're already adopted into God's family, we're already redeemed, we're already sanctified, we're already saved. We're told that. Amen. But we haven't fully experienced it yet. Because there's going to come a day when we understand what it means to be fully adopted as God's children. There's coming a day when we know the reality of what it means to be fully saved. And so we haven't fully experienced that yet. So, one of the things that helps us to understand that is the biblical concept of time. See, we look at time mostly as chronos. So many seconds, so many minutes, so many days, so many weeks, so many years, and then you lay this body down. Right? Time to be born, time to die. Looks very linear. That's the way it is. Everyone in Ecclesiastes, he talks about it, right? There's a time to be born. And there is a time to die. And we look at time as chronos. But God's time is also known as kairos. Kairos is those moments when God breaks in. Where time stands still. That moment when the light bulb went off and you realize I am a sinner and I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. 
That moment when you go down into the waters of baptism and you come alive in Christ. It's like time stands still. I don't know if you've been in services, but I've been in services that have lasted four, five, six hours. And you think you were only there ten minutes. Those are kairos moments. Think about the fact of Moses before the burning bush. It was an ordinary day. He went out to take care of his father-in-law's sheep like he had always taken care of. He had made a mess of his life. He was no longer in Pharaoh's court. He had killed a man. He realized that Moses was a murderer. And so he had given up on leadership or ever being anything more than just a shepherd taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And it was in the ordinary day that that burning bush shows up. And Moses says, I guess I should go over and check this out. <laughs> and Moses' life would never be the same again. That, my friends, is God's kairos time. Unfortunately, we tend to, even as the church, think in chronos. Pastor, my roast beef will be ready at 12.30. But God, you better move in the next half hour. We think of chronos, and yet God is thinking kairos. I like this statement. It really helps to explain it a little bit. Many people are simply passing chronos time. God wants his disciples to live in the kairos of his will, taking decisive action at the moment of opportunity. I believe what was happening in Asbury, maybe still going on today, was a Kairos moment that broke into an ordinary, everyday, Kronos chapel. And that says to me that we just don't know which Sunday or which Wednesday or which day God might just show up. Now in the Kronos, we keep on doing what we're called to do, and we continue in that season of, yes Lord, and I will do what you've asked me to do, but we never know. We never know when those kairos moments might just break in. Think about it. Could it be today? Could it be Tuesday night as you lay your head on the pillow? Could it be a month from now? How would you change your life today if you knew God was going to show up exactly from a month today? You see, God is in the business of breaking in when we least expect it. And so there is this reality that we are, since the fall, in this age to come, not the fall, the present evil age, I've got everything reversed in my mind, that's why I said that. We are in this present evil age because of the fall. And then there is that age to come that the scripture talks about, the Old Testament prophets talk about so much. And in this kairos moment, that's actually what the word says, in the right moment Christ came. That in this kairos moment God showed up. This is that concept of the already and the not yet. That God through Christ through his incarnation, through his crucifixion, through his resurrection, and through his ascension, has brought the two of these together. 
Heaven and earth is found in Christ, our King. And so now, remember I talked about that overlap of time, we're caught in that tension. But it also means for us as a church that Jesus Christ the King is already here. And now that I am a child of the King, I am already part of his kingdom. And there will come a day when those two will begin to move and become one. But in this moment, I am now in the overlap, and I can choose to step into that overlap in the way that I live my life, in the way that I pray, in the way of everything I do, that I am part of the King and the kingdom of God, and the King is in my heart and my life, and wherever I go, I bring the kingdom of God. That's my calling. That's your calling if you are in Christ. That in this evil, fallen world, you bring the King of God into every situation. Not just Sunday mornings, oh, you worship Him, Jesus is my King, and then you go home. No, my friends, this is about Jesus now has brought this overlap of heaven and earth together in and through Him. And so now we are a part of the overlap. We are part of the kingdom. I've had this vision that God has given me on the Wednesday nights. Pastor Mike has been sharing with us, and it was a few weeks back. And I get, I'm a visionary person. When I pray, I get a vision. And the one vision I had that night, we were talking about the Trinity, and I had this picture of this circle of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mutually blessing one another, loving on one another, encouraging one another. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Betty, you can step into that or you can choose to stand on the outside and watch it from the side. I said, Lord, I want to step into that. I, I want to step in. And so in prayer, I pray, Lord, help me to be in the middle of what God is doing, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help me to be that person who reflects this love and mutual blessing on each other and help me to be a part of that. Now, the week following, the Lord gave me a vision when we looked at the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then we began to realize as we studied that night, it's only a half hour, 40 minute study, but God, God showed me a picture that stayed with me ever since. I found a picture that I'm going to put up to represent it for me. And basically it's saying that if Jesus is the way, I'm lost without him. If Jesus is the truth, then I'm a liar and life is a liar. I need his truth. And, uh, and, 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 and without him, I'm dead. Spiritually. So I need the way, the truth, and the life. And, and we talked about in study the, the reality that, that that means that I need to let him take me where he wants to go. And then God gave me a picture. Remember the old cars, the big, big old cars with the bench seat in the front? And I got this picture of Jesus at the wheel. And I'm sitting there next to Jesus. And uh, I don't have a clue where I'm going. Amen. Not a clue. But it's okay. Because I can trust him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And everything is going to be okay. Amen. All I need to do is sit in that seat and enjoy the ride. You're getting it. You're getting it. 
and let Jesus, because he's the way, he knows where I'm going, he knows what's happening, I just need to, that's what we're talking about here in this overlap, I can choose to be part of this earthly, fallen person who's negative and nothing's good and everything's going to hell in a handbasket and it's all terrible, or I can choose to step in where Jesus is the king, the kingdom of God. Oh, it's not here yet. Tell me, I know that. <laughs> we all know that. But I can choose to step in his kingdom. I can choose in that moment when I pray to step into his kingdom. I can pray that the Holy Spirit would help me to witness to people and share Jesus when I'm in his kingdom. It's like all of a sudden everything seems to fall into place. Instead of me trying to do it. Because I'm doing it out of guilt. Or doing it out of, you know, just feeling the weight. So, in the midst of all of this, though we live in a fallen world, though we live in a world where there's much suffering, sickness, and brokenness, I am not negating that. I'm not part of that world completely. I'm a part of his world, and his kingdom. And so now I'm called to what? Pray. All of that to lead us to this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. What are we praying for? Your kingdom come. Your will be done where? In heaven only? No. In earth as it is in heaven. So in those moments that I pray this, and I, I'm really stepping into that kingdom area of the already and the not yet. I'm in that place. And so what I'm doing, I'm standing in the gap. I'm that person who's really standing in the gap for a fallen and broken world that is in a handbasket on its way to hell. But I'm standing in the gap, and I'm pulling, and I'm praying, and I'm with God inviting his kingdom into that mess. And asking that God's kingdom would advance in me, and through me, and in my prayers. I like what Eugene Peterson in the message, when you're praying for that, he says a great way, and I've often prayed it, is may up there come down here. And say that with me. May up there come down here. That's what we're praying. That as it would be in heaven, as we read the book of Revelation, where there is no more weeping and no more sadness and no more sickness, well, it's going to be in that day. I'm praying not just waiting for there. I'm praying what's out there into my present world and situation. This is powerful when we understand this when we pray. When we're praying for people, how powerful this can be. I like what Jim Simbola said about the power of prayer. He said, the devil is not terribly frightened of our human efforts and credentials. But he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we begin to lift up our hearts to God. Amen. And so we pray today, your kingdom come. That is what we're praying. We're inviting God's kingdom into everywhere we're at. So the work of God is in progress. No, it's not fully realized yet, but we're inviting it in to every situation when we pray, thy kingdom come. 
So we're not preaching today a self-help or social gospel. Because we know the only hope for the world is who? God. That's it. And so we're praying that God is going to break in, that his kingdom will come. That's why we pray what? Thy kingdom. Not my kingdom. Oh, if church, if we could get this. It's not about my wishes, my wants, my agenda. It's about his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Remember Jesus at the wheel. It's about, I'm, I'm for the ride. But we're praying for his kingdom to break in. Here, now, in this moment. For God's kingdom to come in its fullness, despite the suffering, the evil, and the violence we see all around us. And so, first of all, when I pray for his kingdom to come, I'm praying for him to come into my life. I hope and pray that that's your prayer, that you're praying that God will come into your life. You see, you cannot truly pray this prayer, thy kingdom come, unless he's your king. See, a lot of people have said this prayer for years. It's one of the earliest ones we learn and know, and people will say it like rope. They'll say it like it's something magical. It's not magical, my friends. It is the fact that we know him as our king. And now as his king, I stand, and I also pray in whose name and authority? In the king's name and authority, in Jesus' name, I'm praying that your kingdom will come and break into this. And so it's because he is my king and I'm a part of his kingdom that this prayer now becomes effectual and powerful. And so I'm asking for God to come in my life. Help me to be faithful, obedient, Lord, authentic, effective Christians for you, O oh God. And the other thing I'm praying for is I'm praying for God's kingdom to come into my family. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm inviting God in, his kingdom, into my family, into my loved ones, into my situation. Dear Lord, please open the hearts of my loved ones, my friends, my co-workers, my neighbors. May they all receive your gift of salvation. May West Prince be a place for the glory of God. That's what I'm praying for his kingdom to come. And then, of course, as I pray his kingdom to come, I am praying for him to break into our fallen, broken world. I like what somebody said. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying about all those things in this world that are not yet right, healed or whole. We're asking God to come free us from sin and evil and brokenness that holds us captive. We're asking God to come and clean up the mess we've made of this world. We're asking God to heal the pain and conflict, the wars, and free us from the suffering and tragedy that distort and destroy life. We're asking God to bring God's reign, love, justice, peace, and prosperity to this whole world. That's the power of prayer, my friends. That's why we do world missions, as we'll do next Sunday night. And we'll pray for our missionaries, and we'll pray for other parts of the world. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, and then we pray, thy will be done. Oh, I can't pray that for you. You see, that's something you need to pray for yourself. One of the hardest prayers you will ever pray. This is what our, joy, our Lord exemplified in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
when he wrestled with God. And when he wrestled with God, he finally came to this place. What did he pray? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Thy will be done is an act of submission. It's saying, Lord, I submit ultimately to your rule, to your reign, to your will to be done. And we're asking for his will to be done instantly, not someday, 20 years in the future, but his will to be done today. We're asking for it to be done constantly, not just once in a while or on Sundays, but all the time. We're asking for God's will to be done completely, not half-heartedly, but completely. We're asking for God's will to be done worshipfully, because just as in heaven today and the angels bid whatever he asks them to do joyfully and willingly, we learn down here on earth to do his will with much love and fervor and joy. Because, Lord, I love to do your will. Then, on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for what we're looking forward to in the future would now break into earth. Here. Now. Right now. You know, that tells me that God cares about what's happening in our world. God cares for you. He created it. See, there's three phrases that people believe this phrase modifies the others that we've said. Let me just exemplify it quickly to you. It says, may your name be kept holy on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is modifying, this is explaining to us what we've just prayed for. And so I can pray for the earth, I can pray, as we've already said, that against this prevailing sinful world systems that are there, that God's will would break in in those situations, that the curse will be reversed, that we'll see heaven's healing and hope prevail upon the brokenness of our families, of our communities, and of our world. I like what John Ortberg said. May up there come down here. In other words, we pray, may your sphere of authority, O God, be extended to this earth. Please arrange things down here, just as you do up there. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May up there come down here. And so we can generalize it. And often we do when we pray, we generalize it out there. But often when I pray this, I'm praying, God, may your will be here, come here on my part of this earth, as it is in heaven, where I walk, where I talk, where I go, where I work, where I study. God, would you break in? Remember I said chronos and kairos. God, would you break in to my ordinary and make it extraordinary? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to say, Lord, start with me. I believe this is the fruit, this is the beginning of revival, Amen. renewal, and awakening. God, break into my part of the earth, break into my life, break into my marriage, break into my family, break into my church, break into my community, break into my workplace, amongst my friends. 
God break in in my world. I like what Thomas Long says, this prayer brings us right back to the pew where we sit, to the shop where we work, to the relationships where we struggle to be responsible, to the place where we try to serve. In my neighborhood, in my country of Canada, in my family, in my office, in my church, in my club, in my small group, in my shop, in my staff, in my heart, in my attitude, in my beliefs. May God be king. May he set up things the way that he would like them to be. May up there come down here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As I bring this message to a close, we're going to move into a time of prayer together. Engagement. I was thinking of the example of engagement. Now, I'm showing off Emily's ring that Caleb has given to her, as we expect, hopefully, prayerfully, a wedding next year. But, you know, one young man said that when he gave his fiance her ring, he said, I felt as if it were, as if I were already married, in a sense. With her ring on her finger, it symbolized that long-term commitment that we made to each other. The reality symbolized by the ring, however, was not yet a present reality. It was an already and a not yet. It was a certain hope that in the all-too-distant future would happen. It's another example of what the Christian life with Christ is like, the already and not yet sort of existence. You see, there is another biblical concept, and you're probably some of you are saying, Pastor, my mind's swimming with this, but we have a goal, teleos. There is a goal that all of history is moving towards, the kingdom of God. And so we have a glorious hope. That's another word that you hear a lot in Scripture of this glorious hope that is ours, that we are moving towards. Yeah, actually, Hebrews kind of gives you a taste of that. It says, this is the life of faith, the assurance of things what? Hope for, future, and the conviction of things not seen, present. There's that spiritual, physical first and spiritual too, as well. And so as God's people, our hope is trusting in our king that we are all a work in progress. You know what that says to me? God's not finished with me yet. Amen. Guess what? He's not finished with you either. Hallelujah. There's glorious hope. Right. right? And it means that I'm moving towards something every day greater than what is behind me. And so it's exciting if we can get the concept of this. But I ask the worship team to come. Thinking of that thought of engagement, one of the most powerful things that helps me to bless the church and pray for the church is the fact that the church is the bride of Christ. And through our Lord's suffering and resurrection, ascension and glorification to the right hand of the Father, it's like we have been given our engagement ring. The promise, as the bride of Christ, 
what's coming, what we're waiting for, what we're making ourselves ready. Any bride works really hard to make herself ready for that day. Jesus said that he is the bridegroom and we as the church are the bride. Oh, it's not already happened yet, but it's coming. And we're going to be like the five wise virgins that were waiting for the bridegroom and have our oil ready and burning, waiting for his coming. Not going to be like the five foolish. No one here is going to be like the five foolish. We're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And so in this moment, the church of Jesus Christ is in this overlap of the already and not yet. I say that to say to you that the church is supposed to represent his kingdom. We represent him. If I want to know what the king is like, if I want to see people who talk about the kingdom, that's where the church is. That's why I want to be around church people. That's why I want to pray with church people. Kings, the king's kids, I want to pray with them because they know. They get it. I get it. We pray together. And when you get two or three gathering together and claiming it in Jesus' name, the king's name and authority, therefore it shall be where? On earth, the same as it is in heaven. We're to bind things. We have been given that power. And where do I find that? I find it in the body of Christ. I find that in the church. That is why when we have those moments together, there are those moments when we worship, it gives us just a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. When somebody lays their hand on you and you're going through a struggle and they say, you know, in Jesus' name, may you be healed, you realize you're not facing it alone. The church has lost its identity of who we are, of what we're supposed to be about, of what's supposed to happen inside these buildings. When I say church, I'm talking about you and me, but this building serves us as the body of Christ, the church, the bride of Christ, not the other way around. We are looking forward on the tippy toes of expectation. Even though we're already a part of his kingdom, I'm looking forward to what is yet to come. Where there will be no mourning and crying and pain, they will be no more. Until then, we're all in a work in progress. Praise God, he's not finished with us. And he says to us, until then, you pray, church. You pray that my kingdom will come. That my will will be done on earth, right here in Elmsdale, as it is in heaven, right here in West Prince, right here in your life, in your marriage, in your kids and grandkids, in the people you work with and your neighbors, right here. God is looking for the king's kids to start praying that way. Don't be surprised if the king shows up, because we're praying heaven down. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing this closing song, I speak Jesus. I knew weeks ago that this was supposed to be a time of prayer. I would love to say to you, I knew this back in January, and I did not. I'm not that 
don't have it that much together. <laughs> Thank God the Holy Spirit leads us and we kind of get there eventually. But I just want to, and it's going to be done in a way that you're going to come at the end of the aisle here. It will not be seen on the screen. And those listening online, you will not see what's happening now. But we pray for you to pray at home. But we want to pray for you today. And what we're going to pray is that up here we'll come down here. In whatever your need, concern, whatever you are coming for prayer for today, we want to pray with you. And say, Amen. Amen says, May it be so. May it be so, Lord. And so as we sing this song, Pastor Mike and I are going to move down and we'll, wherever you are, if you come forward and you want prayer today for something, that's your opportunity now to step in. Remember I said we're stepping in? You can choose to stand on the outside and watch, or you can choose to step in. And we want to pray for you today. So as we sing this song, and we'll sing it as many times as we need, Mark. Right? If no one comes, then we'll sing it through and go home. But if somebody today would say, I need God's kingdom to break into whatever that issue is. Maybe it's your life. We would love to pray for you today. For that to become a reality. Enough said. Amen. 